Welcome to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast. I'm Terry Joyce, your host, and I just want to let you know that I just made, uh, well, it's actually uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, but I made breakfast, and uh, so I'm going to be eating my breakfast while I'm uh, doing the show with you. I figure, why not? You know, we this could be just like the um, down the rabbit hole breakfast edition. <laughs> okay, so I got, I found, this is actually, I got Okay, first of all, let me explain. I live in an RV, and uh, I am uh, redoing it. Like, I, it, it's a 1978 uh, Dodge uh, Sportsman Tioga, and it has a 360 engine, 44,000 miles, uh, still runs, uh, pristine condition. I mean, there's a few things that need to be fixed, but really great shape. And, um, I'm putting in, uh, solar panels. I've got a solar generator. Um, I'm working on, uh, living off grid if I had to, or if something was going to happen because, uh, mm, let me take a bite here. Mm. Mm. And I'm going mm, to the part of the egg that was my mess up. You know, when your mess up takes good, <laughs> you're going to have a good breakfast. Um, so, I have no choke here while I'm trying to do the show, but obviously you can tell that I'm eating, but I want to make sure that, you know, I maximize it while it was um, warm. I didn't get as much yolk as I wanted to um, with it, uh, and there's a reason for that. I'll get into that later, because, <laughs> like, everything here is, you know, it's 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 kind of like a a challenge, like... Because I'm living off-grid, and I'm actually not even using the pipes to the RV. I'm actually, because um, I'm thinking, well, what if things were just to completely shut down, and there were no services that could exchange your sewage line or whatever? Um what would you do uh, in a in a disaster uh, situation? And um, plus, I'm also curious about living off grid, like having your own energy and being able to sustain yourself uh, in those conditions. I mean, let's face it: uh, this this pandemic is probably going to may end up having people become homeless. People that never had homes before may actually find you know, find themselves not having any shelter. And it will be more challenging mm, to the people who don't live uh, in good climates. Right? I mean, maybe not so much for California. It's still bad because it still gets cold here. But What are you going to do? What are you going to do if a power grid goes out? I mean, just recently, I guess Google had some sort of blackout. Uh, I was watching a video where there was a man who was talking about about how um, he he came he came up to feed the baby with a with a bottle at a certain time, and he said Google turn the lights on, and Google didn't turn the lights on. I mean, what if our you know 
look at our refrigerators. If you are a person who, I don't know, is a diabetic who has to have um, your insulin cold all the time and there was to be some sort of power outage or even worse, some sort of like technical or internet outage because now a lot of people are using um, health devices you know, that are connected to, uh, to the internet and to AI intelligence. So anyway, also today I, uh, I watched a video of a woman who has, it's a young woman, maybe like she's like, looks like she's like late teens, maybe. And she is, uh, her arms are bionic, like robot arms. And, uh, she's like one of the first people to use it. And she's um, doing, has been doing makeup tutorials on YouTube. Um, that used to, that kind of flashed, came up on my YouTube channel. All right. So just, I'm letting you, I'm just saying it because it, I think it's of note. Um, there, there's, I'm going to say it. Uh, there, there's transhumanism. Like, uh, part of transhumanism is, you know, having limbs replaced by bionic parts. You know, like we watched the bionic woman. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably dating myself, <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I, you know, watched the bionic woman and the bionic man and, um, Lee Majors was, um, the bionic man and uh, then there was Mr. I think it was Mr. Goldman or Mr. Gold. I think Mr. Goldman was played by a certain actor, and uh, you know there were even dolls. There, I remember one Christmas, my brother and uh, my cousin, because they're only like three months apart, both got um, the Bionic uh, Man dolls, Mr. Goldman, and everything. I mean, those things. Are, if you have one of those right now, it's it's probably worth a lot of money. <laughs> But what we didn't we didn't think about that back then, right? So now today you actually see somebody using arms that are robotic and and I think that there's more types of limbs uh being used with amputees. And you know, again like a lot of people have a negative attitude towards this kind of stuff because they go, "Oh, that's transhumanism and uh, pretty soon, you know, uh, there's Okay, I, I'm going to, I don't know what to call it. Uh, I have to be very careful about what I say. But if you look into this kind of uh, information, like I've been interested in Elon Musk and technology and, you know, the, the Neuralink. I probably sound like an old person, the Neuralink. Uh, but the, Apparently, it, it's an interface to a higher intelligence of AI that the human doesn't have because Elon Musk has said that uh, he, that that eventually AI is going to be far superior than a human being, and that's going to be a problem. And so, or you know, uh, some of this stuff could be for people who can't walk. It might it may rewire their. Um, you know, neurological system so that they can move their legs or whatever. And I know that this would probably be like, I mean, I, I don't want to be totally like, oh, this is awful uh, because of the fact that I'm, I'm sure when, you, when I watch the video with the girl with her arms, you know, it's like, I'm pro 
she's, I mean, my God, you know, I mean, she's able to move her hands and put makeup on and her life is improved because she has, because this technology has made it for her to, to have a better quality of life and to be more independent and not be, to be more like other people, even though, like she mentions, I'll always be different. You know, it's, it's, she's still, uh, more functional. And, uh, I don't know, somebody started their engine. I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm just gonna, I have to stop trying to be perfect. You know, I, well, look, I'm, I'm eating my eggs while I'm doing the show. But, it just makes me think about these things because there's a lot of talk of, and, and again, it, you know, it, like an agenda, and I'm not saying this is, is and like, because I have to be very careful when I talk about these things because there's such a thing, well, that's a conspiracy theory. But let's just say how, I guess how I'll, I'll phrase it is, is that there's a large group of people who have a slant on this as being um, ultimately uh, destruction, destructive to the human. Like Terminator, all right? I mean, like, I want to, I want to, basically, even our movies have been telling us that, you know, it's, it's a man versus technology type of thing. And it even seems like we've been warned by it, uh, by our films. Now, I have to let you know that, you know, there's an entire, uh, what, what, what would I say? Um, grouping online or an entire media online that, uh, you know, even adopts, uh, this kind of philosophy or warning, uh, to humanity, uh, in the type of topics that they talk about in the guests and which is fine because I think that we really have to look at technology and, and, you know, realize that, if there, if if there's going to be like what I've heard of or what information I've had from different sources, even mainstream media and alternative media, is that there there's a desire to have some sort of global reset. We've even heard, uh, you know, Tom Hanks mention it when he was uh, doing a speaking from the college of the students that were graduating. I, I don't, I can't remember what college it was, but. And he says, you're the chosen ones. He, he tells the new graduates, you're the chosen ones for this time in history. And there's going to be a global re reset. So we've heard, you know, leaders. I, I, I read something. I hope I read something that's true. But even, uh, you know, the prime minister of Canada has said, oh, you know, yeah, we're going to have a global reset. Everybody's talking about a global reset. And, and, pe and people have talked about, like, what they speculate that that looks like. Like, people, we're going to eat less meat. Uh, we're going to have, we're not going to own anything, and we're going to be happy with it. And I, and I love how we're told that we're going to be happy with not owning anything. Well, you know, unfortunately, for a lot of people, I think a lot of people, they have their sense of self. They have their identity, their approval of who they are as a person by the things that they owned. So when you take that concept away from some people, I don't think some of those people are going to be able to adjust as well to it. And who can blame them? 
because that kind of thought process has been allowed and perpetuated in our culture and we ourselves have bought into it. So whatever lessons uh, we're learning right now, even in terms of people, oh, well, I want to be spiritual. I go to church every day or I'm a Buddhist. And like, well, you know what? Do you realize that Buddha has gone past the need of worldly possessions or the material or the physical reality? Because even the Bible says, well, you know what? You can't take it with you. And that's true. We can't take any of us with with us, any of us with us. All right. But the future, the future world and the global reset is everybody will just have a place to live at. Maybe like a stipend pay. You know, everybody has like a, there's a basic pay that you have as a human to exist. But I'm not sure about that part. <laughs> that part is like a little in the gray area for me. And you won't own anything. Everything will be rented. You'll have your meals delivered by drones. Again, the jobs that many people have right now are going to be replaced by robots and drones. And that means our mail and our delivery service and how we get our food. Like, forget Uber. Like, enjoy your Uber right now. Because that's not the plan for the future. It's about getting people off of the road keeping them isolated in one area and, you know, and, and let the earth heal or whatever, whatever the philosophy behind all of this is, it, that, that is, that is the projection of the future. And, uh, and so, you know, when you, when you see, when you think of when it does make me think about Terminator. It makes me think about our culture and the messages uh, within those films that we've been watching. And then from there, you have an entire PSYOP. I don't know, PSYOP, some people call it a LARP, or some people call it, like, whatever. But you have a group of people that actually were birthed out of, you know, the Matrix terminology, down the rabbit hole, red pill, this and that, and blah, 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 blah. And now they are playing full center stage in American politics and what's happening with our, with president Trump conceding and moving on and letting Joe Biden take office. So anyway, I'm going to take a break now. I'm going to eat some more of this food and I'll be right back. So stay tuned for more, not my rabbit hole, the podcast. Welcome back to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast. I uh, just want to let you know that some of the circumstances that uh, were around me when I did um, my breakfast portion of this podcast, it was really quiet and uh, there wasn't uh, construction work going on next door. The construction work person, the person who is there's a garage being built uh, next to me and, um, well, it's not just a garage. It's there, um, too. It's like a little mini, um, guest house really now. And so, uh, where my RV is parked at, 
And I thought, oh, great, I can maybe, um, you know, do a, a this would be a perfect time to record something because uh, it's it's quiet. But uh, it may not stay that way. And I know, like I mentioned before in the beginning, that uh, I, you know, it's it's important not to try to be perfect, but uh, just to do it. Okay, so you might hear, I don't know, you could be hearing a drill go on or door slamming or um, people knocking at my door to give me mail or whatever reason that uh, you might hear, you might hear something. So, but that's okay. We're going to, we're going to wing it anyways, uh, because I'm, I'm engrossed in the topic of, uh, you know, the transhumanism, the bionic stuff. And I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, I mentioned earlier about a movie or a series called The Bionic Woman. And I, I called it The Bionic Man, but it was really called The Six Million Dollar Man. And I should have, I should have remembered uh, that uh, you know, I should have remembered, uh, that name, uh, because, uh, I had, uh, a spinal fusion and, um, 12 vertebrae and a metal rod on my back surgery done at Stanford of all places. And, uh, and so it was, it was expensive. And, you know, my mom and my family used to tease me and go, yeah, I'm the 17, you know, $170,000, you know, whatever. But, at the time, you know, that was a lot of money. That was like in 1977. And, and, and this movie, this series was going on, uh, during that time. So, uh, and then there was like the, uh, the, the bionic boy, uh, that was a spinoff, uh, you know, I think you guest starred on bionic woman and it was one of the Van Patten boys, you know, the, the one that all, all the girls had the crush on when they read Tiger Beat magazine. Anyways, so all right, I want to uh, go to uh, wikipedia.org and read, read to you about the $6 million man. Uh, and the $6 million man is an American science fiction and action television series running from 1973 to 1978 about a former astronaut, USAF Colonel Steve Austin, portrayed by Lee Majors. After a NASA test flight accident, Austin is rebuilt with superhuman strength, speed, and vision due to bionic implants and is employed as a secret agent by a fictional U.S. government office titled OSI. The series was based on Martin Colden's 1972 novel Cyborg, which was the working title of the series during pre-production. All right, so... Now, I want to bring up something about, you know, the rebuild and the bionics and the implants and working for the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, secret part of the, you know, government, like OSI is kind of like probably CIA or MI, you know, uh, MI5 or MI6 or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and so, but really there's a whole media online and people that have come forward and say that they are like super soldiers or that they are, uh, you know, gen genetic, genetically engineered, uh, that they even are, um, 
related to like the some of the Marvel characters or the you know the um uh X Men characters are really they are really that's real and those and they're based on real people that have been part of the military ops. Now I'm just Letting you guys know this. I don't know if you do know this. I mean, even now, just to think about it, just take away the fact that there are people talking about it in media, right? And discussing the topic or people coming forward and saying that they are that. Like, I, I interviewed a guy one time. His name is, he went by the name Captain Randy Kramer. Now, his authenticity has really come into question. But, you know, for a while, I was on like a radio network, alternative radio network online that did UFO conspiracy type things. And some of the most major UFO conspiracy people online, like uh, there's a show called uh, Project Camelot by Carrie Cassidy. Those, more of those prominent people also were on that network that I was on, or they were there at one time if I had not been there at that time. I still came on to that. I stepped into the same platforms, right? So there, there's a whole group of people who, like this one lady, Carrie Cassidy, she term, she, she calls them super soldiers, and 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 it, this is kind of based on this. But see, if you really go back and go, okay, but you know, there's a TV series about it, and the question is, is like, well, the, did the chicken come before the egg, or did the egg come before the chicken, like? Uh, you know, are these shows created because of the fact that it's real? And, you know, if people come and say that it's real, then how does it mean that it's not real if, if you want to buy the, the whole thing into it? So it's just like, you know, some people think that this is like a media trick even maybe to just get people confused about the reality of what this is. Because obviously we're seeing a woman who, you know, lost her hands and she has, you know, bionic arms and she's doing makeup tutorials. So, so we know that there's a level of this that has now become our reality. And so let's go back and look at the $6 million man and see how it reflects on today. All right. Following three television pilots uh, movies, which all aired in 1973, the $6 Million Man television series aired on the ABC network as a regular episodic series for five seasons from 1974 to 1978. Steve Austin became a pop culture icon of the 1970s. And I got to tell you, too, you know, I had a roommate named Steve Austin. Uh, and he wasn't that the Steve Austin, and he wasn't the Steve Austin the wrestler, but he did have some sort of uh, amount of fame because he was uh, a character. I think on Deep Space Nine, he was a recognizable character, but he never had any lines or spoke. He just was in the costume, but he still went to those kind of conventions where celebrities like that or bigger. You know, one time I I was at one of them, and and Corey Feldman was at one of them signing those kind of autographs. They put, they put certain actors out on them. Anyways, he does that. Okay. So I know I'm, I'm trailing, but you know, the word Steve Austin itself, like, uh, how would I know? Like how, like how would, how odd that I had a roommate named Steve Austin and he's a comedian. All right. All right. A spinoff television series. Uh, I, for some reason I have to say it. Um, also 
directed by um, the late, great Vic Dunlop. And, uh, you know, it was filmed at Bruce Baum's house. But we did this comedy thing. It was called panda porn because, because some of the, you know, I guess the pandas, they were trying to mate and they wouldn't mate. And so... I was in a panda costume and Steve Austin was in the panda costume and we, it was like a parody of that. And anyway, so I know it's kind of like, it's not flattering. <laughs> it's not, okay, whatever. All right. But it happened. All right. Uh, now that's not conspiracy theory, people. That really happened. Uh, okay. So following three television pilot movies, which are aired in 1973, Six Element. Okay, okay. A spin-off television series, The Bionic Woman, featuring... Because you have to have a woman, right? If you, I mean, you can't be sexist. The, there, ha there has to be a bionic woman. Now, I don't know if she cost $6 million or she cost more. I can't remember. She might have been $8 million or twelve. <laughs> featuring the lead character, Jamie Summers, ran from 1976 to 1978. I don't know. Have have any of you guys out there had a, a roommate named Jamie Summers ever? I don't know. Uh, just if you do, please comment below. All right. Uh, three television movies featuring both bionic characters were also produced from 1987 to 1994. Wow. I'm looking at hit 99 plus six composers. I'm looking at the science fiction based on Cyborg by Malton Calden. Starring Lee Majors, Richard Anderson, Martin e. Brooks. Okay. It originally came out in 1970... March 7, 1973 to March 6, 1978. When NASA astronaut USAF Colonel Steve Austin is severely injured in the crash of an experimental lifting body aircraft, he is rebuilt... In an operation that cost six million, equivalent to thirty-five million in two thousand and nineteen, his right arm, both legs, and left eye are replaced with bionic implants that enhance his strength, speed, and vision for uh, far above uh, human norms. Now, what's weird is is you know the one eye thing, you know the eye or the eye of Horus, like the there's that's there's something symbolic about that, and then again. You see, even I think when Terminator comes into being, like one of his eyes glows, there's always the, you know, the one eye thing means something, all right? So, speed and vision for above human norms. He can run at speeds of over 60 miles per hour, uh, and his eye has a 20 to 1 zoom lens and infrared capabilities, while his bionic limbs all have the equivalent power of a bulldozer. He use, uses his enhanced abilities to work for the OSI, Office of Scientific Intelligence, as a secret agent. Calden's novel Cyborg was a bestseller, and when it is published in 1972... Now, think about this for a second. <coughs> as I'm reading it, and then you see the girl with her arms, what if they could make her arms just super extra strength and do things that other human arms couldn't do? I mean, how far off are we? Remember RoboCop, right? Okay, so... Cyborg's, uh, uh, Calden's novel, Cyborg, was a bestseller, and it was published in 1972. He followed up with three sequels, Operation Nuke High Crystal, 
and Cyborg 4, respectively about a black market in nuclear weapons, a Chariots of Gods scenario, and fusing Austin's bionic hardware to a space plane. Uh Uh-huh. There you go. In March 1973, Cyborg was loosely adapted as a made-for-TV movie titled The Six Million Dollar Man Starring Majors as Austin. The producer's first choice was actor Monty Markham. When re-edited for the later series, it it was retitled The Moon and the Desert, Parts 1 and 2. The adaption was done by writer Howard Rodman, working under the pseudonym of Henry Simone. The film, which was nominated for a Hugo Award, modified Calden's plot and notably made Austin a civilian astronaut rather than a colonel in the United States Air Force. Oh, that's interesting. Absent were some of the standard features of the later series, the electronic sound effects, the slow motion running, and the character of Oscar Goldman. Okay, so it it, it was Oscar Goldman. I was right about the Goldman part. Instead, another character named Oliver Spencer, played by Darren McGavin, was Austin's supervisor of an, of an organization here. The lead scientist involved in implanting Austin's bionic hardware, uh, Dr. Rudy Wells, and played by the pilot by Martin Balsam, then on occasional basis in the series by Alan Oppenheimer, and finally as the series regular by Martin E. Brooks, Austin did not use the enhanced capability of, abilities of his bionic eye during the first TV movie. Um, the first movie was a major rating success and was followed by two made-for-TV movies in October November 1973 as part of an ABC's rotating movie of the week series. The first was titled The Six Million Dollar Man, Wine, Women, and War. <laughs> and the second was titled Operation Nuke. The second, however, was an original story. This was followed in 1974 by the debut of The Six Million Dollar Man as a weekly hour-long series. The last two movies produced by Glenn A. Larson notably introduced a James Bond flavor to the series and a blonde gloss, a Bond gloss of the movies and portrayed a more down-to-earth Austin. Majors said of Austin, he hates the whole idea of spying. He finds it repugnant and degrading. If he's a James Bond, he's the most reluctant one we've ever seen. The show was very popular during its run and introduced several pop culture elements of the 1970s, such as the show's opening catchphrase, We can rebuild him. We have the technology. Voiced over by Richard Anderson in his role of Oscar Goldman. The slow motion action sequences and the accompanying electronic sound effects. The slow motion action sequences were originally referred to as Kung Fu slow motion in popular culture due to its use in the 1970s martial arts television series. Although, according to the Bionic book by Herbie J. Pilato, the use of slow motion on the series was inspired by its use by NFL films. In 1975, a two-part episode titled The Bionic Woman, written for television by Kenneth Johnson, 
introduced the lead character, Jamie Summers, played by Lindsay Wagner, a professional tennis player who rekindled an old romance with Austin, only to experience a parachuting accident that resulted in her being given bionic parts similar to Austin. Ultimately, her body rejected her bionic hard hardware and she died. Wow, that's harsh. The character was very popular, however, and the following season it was revealed that she had actually survived. <laughs> of course she did because the ratings went up. Having been saved by an experimental cryogenic procedure. <laughs> oh, they won't Disney her. And she was given her own spin-off series, The Bionic Woman. This spinoff ran until 1978, when both it and the $6 million man were simultaneously canceled, though the two series were on different networks when their final seasons aired. Tele television movie reunions, Steve Austin and Jamie Summers returned in three subsequent made-for-television movies, The Return of the $6 Million Man and The Bionic Woman, 1987, Bionic showdown the six million dollar man and the bionic woman 1989 which featured sandra sandra bullock in an early role as a new bionic woman and a bionic ever after there's a question mark on that 1994 in which austin and summers finally marry <laughs> why not right majors reprised the role of Steve Austin in all three productions, which also featured Richard Anderson and Martin E. Brooks and Lindsay Wagner, reprising the role of Jamie Summers. The reunion films addressed the partial amnesia Sumner Summers had suffered during the original series, and three featured Major's son, Lee Major's two, as OSI agent Jim Castilian. The first two movies were written in the anticipation of creating new bionic characters in their own series, but nothing further was seen of the new characters introduced in those produced. The third TV movie was intended as a finale. Steve Austin, played by Lee Majors, the leading character. Oscar Goldman, played by Richard Anderson, director of the OSI. Dr. Rudy Wells, played by Martin Balsam. First episode, Alan Opp Oppenheimer. Second and third pilot, episodes seasons one and two. And episode in three, Martin E. Brooks. Seasons three and five, well as the Bionic Woman and three movies. Austin's physician and primary overseer of the medical aspects of bionic technology. Jamie Summers, played by Lindsay Wagner, reoccurring. Peggy Callahan, played by Jennifer Dar Darling. Reoccurring secretary to Oscar Goldman, Oliver Spencer, played by Darren McGavin, director of the OSO pilot. The dialogue spoken by actor Lee Majors during the opening credits is based on upon communication prior to the M252 crash that occurred on May 10th, 1967. Flight, come, I can't hold her, she's breaking up, she's break, and then test pilot Bruce Peterson's lifting body aircraft hit the ground and is approximately 250 miles, blah, 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 blah. Uh, theme music, backed by Ron Escalade, uh, Piscinia, sets same, the theme song by Glenn Larson, which was used in the opening and closing credits, Wine, Women in War, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, Austin's super hungry. Okay, the, the, to maintain the show's plausibility, producer Kenneth Johnson set very specific limits on Steve Austin's abilities. He elaborated, went, elaborated. When you're dealing with the area of fantasy, if you say, well, they're bionic, so they can do whatever they want, then it gets out of hand. So you got to have really, really tight rules. Steve and Jamie can jump up two stories, but not to three. They jump down three stories, but not four. A bionic left eye. It has 20-21 zoom lens along with the night vision function as well as the restoration of normal vision. The figure of 20 to 2 um, to 1 is taken from the faux computer graphics in the opening credits. And the figure 20 to 1 is mentioned twice in the series in the episode Popular Zero and Secret of Bigfoot. Austin's bionic eye has other features such as infrared filter used frequently to see the dark and also detect heat. As the episode, The Pioneers, and the ability to view humanoid beings moving too fast for a normal eye to see. As in the story arc, The Secret of Bigfoot, one early episode shows the eye as a deadly accurate targeting device for his throwing arm. In Calden's original novels, Austin's eye was depicted as, a, as simply as a camera which had to be physically removed after use, and Austin remained blind in one eye. Later, Austin gained the ability to shoot a laser from his eye, the eye. The Charlton Comics comic book spinoff from the series also established that Austin's bionic eye could shoot a laser beam as demonstrated in the first issues of the color comic, but neither function was shown on television. Bionic legs. These allow him to run at tremendous speed and make great leaps. Austin's upper speed limit was never firmly established, although a speed of 60 miles per hour is commonly quoted since his figure is shown as speed gauge during the opening credits. The highest speed ever shown in the series on a speed gauge is 67 miles per hour, the Palmyre Escort. However, the later revival, revival film suggested that he could run approximately 90 miles per hour, a faster top speed as possible as an episode of the Bionic spinoff entitled Winning is Everything shows female cyborg Jamie Summers outrunning a race car going 100 miles per hour. In Secret of Bigfoot, it stated that he can leap 30 feet high in the later TV movies. Austin's show, Leaping, what clearly appears to be heights far in excess of this. Austin is shown Leaping, what he clearly appears to be. A bionic arm. It has the equivalent strength of a bulldozer, but the arm contains a Geiger counter, was established in Doomsday and counting the sixth episode of the first season. The implants have a major flaw that, extre that extreme cold interferes with their functions and can disable them given sufficient exposure. However, when Austin returns to warmer temperature, the implants quickly regain full functionality. The first episode also established that Austin's bionics malfunction is the microgravity gravity of space. Though Austin's bionics are later modified to rectify this, the bionic eye is vulnerable to ultrasonic attack, resulting in blindness and dizziness. It is not explained how Austin's organic body is able to withstand the stress of either bionic hardware weight or performance to a superhuman test feats. 
That's true. I gotta, I gotta get a sip of coffee here for a second. One moment. To indicate to viewers that Austin was using his bionic enhancement sequences with him performing superhuman tasks were presented in slow motion and accompanied by an electronic dit, 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 dit sound effect. This character's sound effect was actually first used. I remember that. Do, 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 do. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. This characteristic sound effect was actually first used in season episode uh, four, Day of the Robot. Not during use of Austin's bionics, but the robotic clone of Major Fred Sloan. A, a, ro a, robi a robotic clone. Okay, so they're introducing cloning, right? Of a major Fred Sloan played by actor John Saxon during the final flight scene. When the bionic eye was used, the camera zoomed in on Austin's face, followed by an extreme close-up of his eye. His point of view actually included a crosshair motive accompanied by a beeping sound effect. In early episodes, uh, different ways of presenting Austin Powers were tested, including a heartbeat sound effect that predated the electronic sound, and in the three original made-for-TV movies, no sound effects or slow motion were used. With Austin's actions shown at normal speed, except for his running, and the, which uses trick photography, the slow-mo motion portrayal was introduced with the first hour-long episode, Population Zero. Okay, so it goes in the novels and the comics and the audiobooks and the films and the cultural influence. I'm going to just kind of stop at cultural influence and then wrap up, wrap up, the, wrap it up. Uh, cultural influence in Brazil under the military dictatorship, some important government officials previously elected by direct suffrage were appointed by the president or elected indirectly out of a short list picked by the president. These politicians were called bionic or bionicos due to the series popularity and the association with the perceived extraordinary power and influence held by the appointed officials. Between 1964 and 1985, Brazil came to have bionic senators, governors, and mayors with the 1988 Constitution of Brazil, all bionic appointments were abolished. In Israel, the series was retitled The Man Worth Millions, since six million evoked memories of the Holocaust, uh, specifically the most commonly quoted estimate of the number of Jewish victims. In 2003, Lee Majors won TV Land's Super Rest Superhero Award. All right, so I just wanted to... Um, go into that a little bit and and I think it I, I find it interesting that um we have uh, this is very much a part of our uh pop culture uh that's out there wow I went over time I really got engrossed in that but I hope you really uh, enjoyed it as much as I have uh looking back you know it, it really is you know a, a transhumanism type of I mean, you know, what they describe is if you study transhumanism, it is what that is about is the uh, ability to do things with these parts that, well, first of all, it's about having them for just longevity. 
And, uh, you know, when you, and people say, well, you know, that a lot, a lot of people object that to that because it's like, well, then you're, you're taking the, the natural human, which, uh, many people believe we are created by God. And so it's altering, uh, God's creation of what a real human being is with hum, human consciousness. And so, you know, when you, when you bring in these eyes and these abilities and you're putting things in your brain and stuff like this, and the thought is, is like, well, what part of you is human anymore? And, 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 and then, then there is the extinction, uh, the potential extinction of the human race on this planet. <laughs> I know I'm giggling right now, but I mean, isn't that what's behind all of these, you know, stories that Hollywood has put in front of us. And, you know, you have an entire culture of media that is also discussing this, that is interpreting these films as being accurate and true. So, I don't know. What do you guys think is really going on? All right. Well, thank you for listening to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast. I am Terry Joyce. And I'll talk to you next time.